Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so your participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your Front Range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm going to tell you about my thoughts about that football game that we just watched. Uh, but before I do that, I should tell you about Drift Car Sharing. It's a great service. Uh, you, you basically drop your car off at their lot at the airport, and instead of paying for parking, they pay you, and then they rent your car out and insure it so it's safe. Uh, you can also use them to rent cars when you're going somewhere. Basically, you save money and actually make money. And uh, at the very least, you're going to get your car cleaned for free. So that's a pretty good deal. Uh, check them out at drivedrift.com. Okay. So, again, these are kind of... I mean, where do you even start? Uh, 35-31, USC wins. It was a game that Colorado was in control of uh, the entire way through. It really wasn't until uh, the last couple minutes that USC got down the field, pulled ahead, and didn't didn't let the Buffs score uh, on their last possession. Uh, yeah, a uh, missed opportunity for Colorado. Uh, I, I, I have made it very clear in the past, my, th- my thoughts on this game, 
Uh, I honestly didn't think that the Buffs would keep it within three scores. Uh, when the we we make our bets at DNVR, I mean we don't actually bet on the games, but like we make our picks against the spread. The line was at like what thirteen and a half, I think, when we made our picks, and I, I didn't even consider picking Colorado. Um, and so I do think that it's important to keep that perspective that this <laughs> it was USC, and and you you wouldn't think that that was the situation. You wouldn't think that the Buffs were double-digit home underdogs, given how the response to this game has been. Uh, There's frustration on a bunch of different levels, from the coaching to the play of Steven Montez, the quarterback. I don't need to tell you he's the quarterback. Uh, By the way, 3.17 a.m. right here, and we're getting this thing moving. So if you're into me saying weird stuff... uh, I've just been pounding these blueberry Red Bulls and getting ready for this, getting my work done. So should be a should be a good time. Uh, I'm excited to really dig into this with you guys because I, I mean it should be honestly be a happy time. The fact that Colorado just hung with them, played a pretty clean football game, uh, used the players very well. I thought. Uh, ran that offense well, largely. I mean, obviously mistakes. They didn't win the football game, but to stick with a team that's... I mean, I was just looking back through all the recruiting for the last few years, and actually USC didn't have the best class in the Pac-12 this year, which I was surprised to find out, but I mean, blowing everybody else out of the water the three, four years before, um, because that's what USC is. And, and sure, for whatever reason, they haven't been winning as many games. Uh, probably the coaching. That, that'd be what I would point at. Uh, also, the play of their quarterbacks is, is a big, big deal. But the fact that Buff fans are so upset that the Buffs just lost to USC, I mean, it's got to be a sign of good things to come, right? Isn't isn't that a nice thing to be angry about? I mean, compared to like, how'd you blow this game? How'd you, you, you know, these kinds of things. To be upset you didn't beat uh, a traditional powerhouse. You know, for, it, it is a little watered down by a couple different things. I mean, the fact that now USC is, what, only 5-3? and three, But still, that's a... Tonight was a win for the Buffs, and that is the number one takeaway. Uh, we we saw a glimpse of what this team can be, and and that's what Mel said after the game. But I do want to dig back into, um, kind of the general vibe, some of the some of the complaints that Buffs fans have had uh, about this game, and and one of the big ones is the coaching, uh, which surprises me. Um, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me because there were decisions that had to be made. Um, and, and you see this in some football games, you know, where there are these key moments when a coach decides we're turning left or we're turning right. You know, you you score a touchdown uh, to pull within one as time expires. Do you kick the extra point to tie it up and send it to overtime? Do you go for two and try to win it right there? You know, if, if you get it right, you're a genius. If you get it wrong, you're, you're really not. Um, it's obviously all based on 
odds and what gives you the best chance of winning and you know the 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 biggest decision tonight was uh Mel Tucker's uh the Buffs had the ball at uh let's see it would have been USC's uh 43 yard line oh this is the wrong game I've pulled up uh there we go uh yeah I mean they had the ball at USC's 43-yard line. Fourth and nine. Oh, that was after the delay of game. The 38. 38-yard line. Uh, and decide to punt. Third, fourth and four, you can go for it, pick it up, probably end the game because you're in field goal range. Um, so at least go up six, run some time off the clock, and Mel decided to punt. It's not a decision that I am too upset about myself uh, I, I understand the logic behind it um, on third and four they decided to pass the ball I think that that's the one that I would look at as maybe not a good idea uh, you're running the ball well you're running for almost I think somewhere between six and seven yards per carry and I would have said pound the rock there see if you can pick it up if you don't pick it up at least the clock is moving and uh, if if you don't pick it up, then maybe you're at the 36, 35. Make it a fourth and one, fourth and two instead of a fourth and four. And then maybe you do decide to go for it. Uh, you, you can put LaVisca out there in the Wildcat in that situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that I myself would have run the ball on third and four um, and avoided this whole situation. But uh, fourth and four at the USC 38, it, it really is a tough call because, you know, it, it's easy to say you you can't do that with this defense. You can't trust this defense to to win you the game. But USC, this isn't even including like the kneel downs because they knelt, knelt the ball down at the end of both halves. Not even including those, there were more drives where USC got stopped where USC didn't score points and there were drives that USC did score points. Like Colorado's defense was batting above 500. And and sure one of those was the missed field goal, but again, USC's kicker is actually pretty bad uh and uh it's not a huge surprise that he missed a field goal. You know, like that it's not that that wasn't like a huge fluky play. That's the way the game was supposed to go. And that does factor into Mel's decision as well, saying, you know, that they they have to go all the way down the field and score a touchdown because their kicker probably like they probably wouldn't bet on their kicker. Um, I I I don't dislike the decision. It, it's a tough spot. Four yards is a tough spot. Fourth and three, I go for it. Fourth and two, I go for it. Um, and when you're looking at this, like they were also looking at a 55 yard field goal. If you're thinking about that, um. You'll remember James Stefanow missed the 52-yarder against Washington State last week, and he missed it short. Um, different conditions, worse conditions. So it it he probably could have gotten it there, but I don't think that that was really a consideration at that point. Um, a lot of people have taken. I mean, feel free to share your thoughts. That's what comment sections for. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand on that whole situation. Um, 
But again, like I said, I, I do understand why you would feel differently, why you would think that that's one of those situations where you trust your offense instead of your defense, but your defense is playing so well and you know that you can pin them deep. You pin them at the 10-yard line, give them the... Uh, Might have been... No, I think they had one drive that started with worse field position, but you're batting above 500 and you're putting yourself in the second best circumstance of the day. You should feel good. You should feel good. Um, yeah, I mean, they just forced a punt on the drive before. A four-play, negative four-yard drive. Um, obviously helped by pass interference penalty, offensive pass interference. But, again, USC wasn't playing that undisciplined or that disciplined football either. So, dug into that one. Um Let's let's keep going with the coaching. Let's keep going. Uh, the first drive of the game for Colorado, I thought was some of the best football play calling that I have ever seen. And I mean, I I was roasting Jay Johnson not not twenty four hours ago because this is actually a little bit later than I plan on doing this. But on the last podcast and and for multiple podcasts before that, I've said I'm not a huge fan of the way Jay Johnson has decided to run these things. I don't think that he's using the weapons. I've been frustrated when uh, you're not throwing the ball to Lavisca Chenault every single time he's single covered because that's how you get him double covered and get other people open. You know, it's 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 a little bit of overthinking, but I mean, it's it's been frustrating to watch, uh, definitely. But the first drive tonight, I thought he did a a great job. Uh, go back and watch it if you can. I'm not sure how you guys are gonna feel about this game. Um, again, an emotional loss, just because it would have been so huge to beat. USC uh that's I mean Buffs are now 0-14 all time against USC and they had a real chance to make that 1-13 uh would have been a huge win but I do think that this might be one of those places where Buffs fans with their deep emotional ties may have uh I mean definitely have the stronger feelings than I would have about a game like this and you know for, for a loss like Oregon Washington State I think that that's so ugly that we're all kind of on the same page. We all see it as just like this frustrating, disappointing loss. But for a game like USC, we might be on different sides of that line where you guys see it as the the painfully missed opportunity. But me, as more of an outside perspective, I see it as the Buffs really just made this a four-point game against USC. And sure, losing by four isn't going to... Uh, get you into a bowl game, but it definitely makes you feel better about where this team is headed. Um, and, and that's the perspective that I am taking on this just so that we are clear. That's where I stand on that. Um, but the play calling, uh, the way he used the running game, the way he, he, he just kept them off balance. It starts, starts with the, uh, reverse, and then they they pound up the middle. They have like some sort of misdirection, like fake screen right into a screen left that I want to go back and watch. Like the running back leaks out right with blockers. And then all of a sudden there's like one blocker downfield 
and they throw it to a receiver and it, it, it was really great stuff just to see these combinations and seeing how Jay Johnson is setting up the defense, you know, body blow, body blow, and then bang, like going for the knockout. And it, it ended in a field goal, <laughs> which is seriously a problem. They they need to get something figured out in the red zone. Uh, Ryan was saying last night, why why don't they ever just run LaVisca straight up to clear things out and run KD on a drag underneath him? Oh, there's a yawn. But KD actually scored two touchdowns on exactly that today, um, both in the red zone. And not on the first drive. It took him a minute to get into the rhythm. Uh, they had another drive stall out in the red zone. I, th- I think this was probably the most frustrating sequence of the day for me when they have something second and two, maybe f- second and goal from the two, I guess. But they bring out LaVisca and the Wildcat. Uh, and you think, oh, yep, yeah, <laughs> guaranteed touchdown. No way he doesn't get in. Um, and then there's a false start. And then they work it back up to that same spot again. Bring LaVisca in the Wildcat. You're thinking the same thing. Here it goes. This is this is another Wildcat touchdown. How could it not be? False start again. And so they didn't get to use that play because uh, honestly, if if you're thinking about like what looking what scoring a touchdown in the red zone means, uh, that means you get the ball in the end zone, first, second, third, or fourth down. Or on first, second, or third down, you're able to get it to the three-yard line because you know that you still have one play that you can guarantee will get in with LaVisca and the Wildcat if you can get to the three. Like, you extend the end zone out an extra three yards if you still have, like, that fourth down or third down or whatever to, to actually run that play. They have such an advantage. They need to be finding a way to get the ball in there. Um uh, Obviously, a lot of it has to do. I mean, it's 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 a tight space in there, and the Buffs' offense isn't really designed to do well in tight spaces, and that's something that they really do need to figure something out for. They have the Wildcat package. They need a couple more options to go to, and I think that they they must realize they must realize that at this point, now that you have everything else patched. You need to find a way to turn these big drives into more points now that you know that you can get these long drives sustained um, consistently. You're, you're past this Oregon-Washington State phase, and uh, now you need red zone production, and you need to cut down on penalties. Um, yeah, let's, let's just talk about the penalties real quick. Get this out of the way. One of their worst nights of the season, 13 penalties, 109 yards. Uh, only only worse performance penalty wise was against Oregon with 14 penalties for 113 yards. It's tough to watch. I mean, it's it just stalling out drives. Um, can't afford it. Really can't afford it. And I think we all agree on that. And I don't think we really need to get much deeper. Uh, you'll remember they brought refs out to practice this week to try to fix it. Uh, not something that I had seen. And like we stand outside the gate for three of the five practices every week. And we saw the refs walk out of the gate. Haven't seen the refs walk out of the gate before. So there's a good chance they haven't had refs at practice. Maybe it was on a different day, you know. Um, it's obvious to everybody. It's just them. Oh, there is one note. 
Um, Steven Montez, like Tim Lanott was saying last week when we talked to him, uh, he said that, again, the defense was using that move call uh, where, where they line up, you know, everybody's within three steps of where they're supposed to be lined up when the play starts defensively. And before the snap, uh, somebody makes the move call, just yells move really loud, and uh, everybody snaps into position. Uh, so that they have like all their angles set up right, and um, that that move call they use, they intentionally make it uh, loud, abrupt, so that they can get guys to jump off sides. And like Steven said, you know, when you're a guy that big, you're getting you're just getting ready to hit somebody. As, as soon as you hear that sound, you have all your weight leaning forward, and you are 300 pounds. It's it's all just bottled up, and it doesn't take much to get you to go. But uh, again. It has to, it has to be fixed. It really does have to be fixed. Um, I'm I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses, but that is I just want to tell you what is happening, and that is what is happening, and it needs to get fixed. Um, okay, there was penalties. Uh, back to the red zone. Um, I, I thought that would be a shorter tangent, but oh well. Uh, red zone less space and the buffs have an offense that's built on space having guys like lavisca who can outrun you down the field kd can outrun you down the field and that's really your big threat um and so when you have those guys you're forcing the defense to defend three levels um up front 10 in that like intermediate 10 yard 12 yard 15 yard range and then deep they have to keep somebody on top of the defense um, to make sure that you don't give up the deep ball. When you get to the red zone, that deep ball isn't a threat. You aren't worried on, about staying on top of LaVisca. In fact, you don't even want to be on top of LaVisca because if you are, I mean, he's going to box you out and there's no way you're going to make a play on the ball. You want to be underneath him. Um, and and so when, when all of those defensive backs are packed in, that, that affects every offense, but particularly offenses like... Colorado's uh you're probably thinking about that run game why don't they just pound it in like sure uh that's that's not the passing game that's changing like that you know but but the difference is a lot of the time when Colorado's running the ball it's out of 10 or 11 personnel there there are times when they run up there with two tight ends and it's a real power run look but more often than not it's clear as many people out deep as you can get more people to take a couple steps back when you start the run and give your offensive line a chance to move, you know, get those pole blocks going, get all like the, the big time, a lot of zone blocking going on. Um, and there is more space in, in that running game, the way that they run it because of the way the passing game works, honestly. But, uh, as soon as you get up to the red zone, they're able to put, linebackers closer to the to the line of scrimmage they can throw another defensive lineman out there um they aren't as worried about stopping the pass because there just isn't as much room to pass and so that's the, i think that that's why every team has more trouble moving the ball in the red zone versus in the open field but a team that's built like colorado is going to have even more trouble um again if <laughs> If, if that's just always going to be the case, if, if 
nobody can figure out a way to counter that, then you got to change the whole style of the football team because not scoring in the red zone, not scoring touchdowns in the red zone just doesn't work. Um, and, and if that's the fatal flaw of this offense, then that's a fatal flaw and it needs to, it means that you got to try something totally different. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that there have been opportunities. I think uh, there was the ball that Steven threw late. Um, and I think it got tipped in the back of the end zone. They were going toward the south end zone. Uh, the play was to the right of the goal post in the back of the end zone. Um, he had LaVisca open a couple steps earlier, but Steven was running for his life, and he wasn't able to get the ball off when the window was there. And the window did come open a little bit late. And and that's the other thing about the red zone is it's it's all those zone defenses and eventually when you're playing a zone defense, you're you're going to wind up with somebody in a gap in it. Somebody's going to find some space. When you don't have an offensive line that can consistently protect you, then it's going to be tough to to wait for somebody to find that space. Um think back to KD's touchdowns, those drag routes. He was across the formation. If I'm remembering correctly, he was across the formation before he got the ball. He had already run all the way across the the offensive line, defensive line, and had found that little gap over there where everybody had gone deep with the people who had lined up on that side. Sorry, that was another big yawn. Um, it's it's late, but um. You take that slot receiver on the left side, you line KD up in the slot on the right side, slot receiver on the left, runs to the back of the end zone. Whoever is supposed to be guarding that uh, goal line is going to take an extra couple steps back with him just instinctively, and KD can run underneath into that space, but it takes time for him to get all the way over there. And that's the other thing um, that I see at least, and I'm sure that football coaches who actually have spent their entire lives. Well, I've spent my entire life, but that's not nearly as long as uh, Mel Tucker's. And that I don't mean to call him old. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, it's just true. Not that he's old, but that he's older than me. Um, yeah, so that's the red zone. Uh, it's probably time now. We've been talking for a while to uh, talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, really appreciate them. Uh, couldn't do all the fun things that we do without them. I probably wouldn't have a job without them. They're one of our favorite partners, and uh, we really do appreciate them. And we hope that you support them the way that uh, you support us, and because we appreciate you too, and we appreciate them, and they appreciate us, and they appreciate you when you buy their beer. And it can just be this happy triangle of appreciation if we want it to be, um, and I know I do. So use the beer locator and find whatever those beers you want to try. They're all really good. Uh, also want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. It's good coffee. Uh, very good coffee. Um, it, it's CBD infused, so it does more than just like hype you up a little bit when you need some caffeine, which, which <laughs> I could really use some more of right now, but I've already drank all this blueberry Red Bull Uh I'm seriously not going to survive this whole season if I keep drinking this much Red Bull. But um, what was the point? Strava Craft Coffee, very good. Wakes you up. Uh, also, it's other good things for you, like stop anxiety, stop depression, 
IBS, back pain, knee pain, arthritis, honestly, pain anywhere probably. But you just have to try it to see if it works for you. And even if it doesn't, it's still very good coffee. And so at the very least, you got that. It's not psychoactive. You don't have to worry about getting high off of it because that's not the point of coffee. Coffee's supposed to make you functional. Um, use the code BSN2019 at checkout and they'll ship it straight to your door. Okay. Um, anything else on this offense that we need to talk about? Uh, I, we haven't really named many names. Uh, we, we should say uh, that Alex Fontenot did have a very good day today. Uh, I don't have my stat book open right now, but I have the game pulled up on my phone. Okay, so there we go. 16 carries, 57 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. Things tailed off a little bit in the second half in terms of the running game. Um, early on, they were kind of moving it at will. And I think that, that, you know, we were talking about, who was I talking about this with? Uh, probably doesn't matter. I, I was talking with somebody in the elevator, or maybe it was up in the press box still. I was talking with somebody who, you know, I talk to people all day at these football games, which I love. It's the best part, just constantly talking. But sometimes it all runs together, and I can't remember what I tell who and what I tell you. I met Annie Chenault. Uh, she was pretty pumped before the game. She kept yelling, Vontae's my son. Um, and maybe I just missed the point where when she was yelling, LaVisca's my son. Maybe she likes Vontae better. I'll let you guys speculate on that. That's not my job. Um, also, I don't know. We don't need to get into all the people I ran into. The point of all of this is that... You know, we were talking about it, and somebody said, you know, they probably should have run the ball more late. And I do agree. I do agree that they should have run the ball more. But USC did start to bottle that up a little bit. It, it wasn't nearly as open as it was in the first half. And, and again, that's why, I, that's why they went away from it. And obviously the decisions that they made ended up with them losing. And, and that's what makes it so easy to say, oh, you should have done this. And, and who knows? Maybe they would have won. Maybe they will have lost by more. Who knows? Um, but they made the decisions they thought were right. I, I can see the rationale behind all of these decisions. Um, I might have done things. I, I know I would have done things differently. Um, but I just don't know how differently, if I was put into their shoes, I I would do those things. Um, yeah. So... so should have probably still run the ball more. Should have kept that clock moving just a little bit more. But also, you, that's not your strength. That's, that's at, at that point of the game at least, it, it's getting the ball to your playmakers. And, and credit to USC. They did make some good adjustments. And, and Steven pointed that out in the postgame press conference too. You know, they were man in the first half, and these bus receivers they're too good to be putting in man coverage, particularly LaVisca. And, and we saw what happened when they did that. Um, he, 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 people say he can't run routes and that's just not true. Like, like he, he could definitely improve his footwork, but there are so many things he does to get open where I'm just like, dude, Wow. I think one of those was on that first drive with the, the, the play calling that impressed me. He's running downfield on the left sideline. Steven Montez rolls out of the pocket, and he does 
we'll get into his rollouts here in a second. But uh, he rolls out of the pocket, uh, looks up, and and it's somehow like LaVisca's eyes in the back of his head all of a sudden just turns around right past the sticks, just turns around. Steven throws the ball to him, and, and it's it's perfect. Like, all of a sudden, the DB's just trying to sprint with him, and he just stops. By the time he catches the ball, the DB's four yards downfield and has to turn around and try to tackle him in open, open space. And we actually saw that same move from him a few times in this game. Um, I can't share too many details because it wasn't actually a uh, reportable situation. Um, but I do want to say that here's how the postgame media works. So so they have like four four guys probably, including Mel Tucker, up at the podium, up above, and that's where probably, I mean, 40, 30, 30 some, something like that, media members will go, ask all their questions, TV cameras, all that stuff. And then if you want to talk to anybody else, during that uh, press conference time, you can go down below outside the locker room and request players. And so that's where I usually go because we get the printouts of the quotes anyway. And odds are the same questions that I have will be asked at those. Um, and so I want to go see who else I can talk to and get a little more personal with. And so we wait in the tunnel outside and there's usually today there were three of us, um, Pat Rooney from uh, the Daily Camera and uh, Chase Howell from uh, 24-7, former BSM buff. But uh, down a little ways in the hallway, that you have the radio guys who are doing the radio interviews, so they'll run somebody out. In between us, uh, Steven and LaVisca were like standing waiting to go on the radio. And again, this isn't like a situation that we normally, that I'm supposed to report on, you know, like they don't feel like that's something that I'm going to talk about, if that makes sense. It's, it's all just kind of assumed off the record. But they stand there and they're talking about... Um, the game and just hearing the way that they talk to each other hearing Steven say like oh remember on this play I thought that you were going to go right here I thought that you had this and then and then LaVisca will say like oh yeah but he had outside leverage there and so I knew that I had this right here and so that's why and just hearing them talk about how they are both seeing these different plays uh, it, it just makes sense like that they have that chemistry when you see the same thing on the field. The LaVisca knows to just stop and turn around, and all of a sudden, Steven's going to have the ball there because he's figured out the timing. He's figured out how long it's going to take Steven to roll out and get ready, and and Steven knows that he knows to do that too. And just hearing them talk about that for two, three minutes, and I wish I could go into details, but again, like it's not. those aren't my stories to share, but it is... They they know their stuff and they know each other and they it's it's impressive to hear the the details that they can get into reading those defenses. Okay, um, I did want to make that note. Uh, can't who is who are we talking about there? Was I trying to talk about Lavisca? Let's talk more about Lavisca. Um, he had the the game of his season so far: hundred and eighty nine total yards. Um. He had the 70 yard touchdown catch. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the man coverage. And that's what he was doing against the man coverage. They put him in man coverage again the second half, one on one again. And again, they targeted him. Um, and they hit him on the slant route. He got loose, went up the middle of the defense for a 71 yard touchdown, I believe. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's why you don't put him in man coverage um, because that should be taken advantage of every time. And again, I felt like largely it was. Um, more often than not, when he was in man coverage, the Buffs did something about it. Also got a little beat up. He, uh, I mean, that's that's the only way defenses can stop him, um, which is too bad because, I mean, that's what leads to injuries, but it's how it works. Okay. Yeah, uh, LaVisca looked like himself, broke free, had a nice run with the, out of the Wildcat. I was impressed with. Usually he gets that, fakes the handoff, and then just plunges up the middle. Like They'll have like a pole blocker and he'll follow the lead blocker. Um, and USC read that on tape too. Um, and so LaVisca did the same thing, paused a second, and then just ran outside. And there was nobody waiting outside. Ran for 17 yards on like third and two or something, third and one. Third and three. I think it might have been a longer one. But, but yeah, I mean, just seeing that, it's good to see him back. And he, he did say on the radio um, that he isn't quite 100%, but he's feeling good. And he's he's getting close and happy for the guy. Uh, also, wanted to go back to Steven's rollouts. Uh, so you'll notice, right-hand quarterback, uh, that means, like, when he's dropping back, you have your feet in line pointing straight downfield. You're facing one sideline. Your back's to the other. He has a tendency to like run almost a little bit toward the sideline he's facing and then flip around away from the field, um, away from downfield. So like turn around backwards instead of turning around toward the line of scrimmage, which is a pretty normal thing, but he does it almost the same way every time. And... He, he gains some depth when he does it, for sure. Uh, I think he did it on the play he got hurt on when he threw the ball away. We can talk about the refs later, too. Um, and, again, the reason he had to throw the ball away is because everybody was so far away because he rolled out so, so deep. Um, he also did on the play he took that big sack on. And the play he took that big sack on, it almost looked like the defender was waiting for him to do that waiting for him to take that extra deep roll. Um, because usually defensive players are thinking, oh, when, when he sees me coming, he's going to try to get upfield, limit the damage. And that's why that deeper rollout will catch him off guard. But it can be a little bit predictable. It looked like USC. I think that that was into the second half, that big sack. It definitely was. And so that means it was probably something they talked about at halftime and not something they talked pregame. Um, something that the coaches saw. Um, what other notes do I have? I think that's pretty much everything for the offense. Tony Brown had a great back shoulder catch. Obviously, back shoulder throws are tough to, to make. Um, Steven put one right on the money downfield. I think it was only 19 yards. It felt like it was longer than that. Uh, Tony also had a drop on third down. Uh, I didn't ever see a replay, but it was coming across the middle late. Um... I mean, decent coverage. Steven put it out in front of him a little bit. Looked catchable to me up in the box. Didn't see a replay. Would like to see more of him going forward still. He hasn't been himself since uh, Arizona, maybe? Was Arizona the last big one for him? Um, I, I think that that actually is it for the offense. Um, Yeah, so the defense. Have to start. Have to start with Tariq Bluckett. 
whoa, no, no, we do not. KJ Trujillo, I just like skipped a guy in the depth chart in my mind. Um, KJ Trujillo, incredible game, uh, incredible game. He's still 18. They list him at six foot 165. He is smaller than that. Um, saw him in the tunnel. Saw him in the tunnel. I didn't get to talk to him. Would have loved to have talked to him, but uh, he played so well. He got to go up to the podium instead of talking to us. Not a big guy. Neither am I. I I would love to compare our sizes. Um, that, that was weird. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you even say? Like, he, he got the interception, first interception of his career, first sack of his career. Um, made made some tackles. He broke up two passes. Nobody else in the game broke up two passes. I think there were like eight total pass breakups. Um, and two of them were him for the entire game. He was everywhere. He did give up the touchdown to, uh, I think that was to Vaughn's. Um, he kind of undercut the route. Didn't quite have the body control, I'd say, is what it was. I wouldn't say it's the balance, the footwork. I would say mostly body control. Maybe some footwork in there, too, to uh, make a play on the ball. But he was in good position. And uh, that's just the kind of thing that comes with time, um, with technique, uh, you, you can see the talent. You can see the natural ability. You know how I said uh, Cheeto probably wasn't all that good um, as a freshman? Like, he probably looked like a freshman when he had to play. And then people said, no, actually, he was really good. And then Ryan said, well, like, he was up and down. That, that's kind of what KJ was. He, he, he flashed the potential. Like, he got the interception. He broke up passes. He made plays. But also there were a couple plays where he was so close to making them. And to be honest, there aren't many defensive backs on this team who would have made any of those, would have been in that position. Uh, so that so that was definitely impressive. Uh, really excited about him, especially after the way the Washington State game went when he got, he got picked on. Uh, and you, you felt, you almost felt bad for him. You're like, you, you know, this kid shouldn't have to be out on the field yet. He isn't ready for this. And again tonight we saw, no, he isn't ready for this. He doesn't have that technique refined. But it didn't really matter. He, he made half the plays, um, gave up the touchdown, gave up a, a, it was a third down across the middle, probably 12 yards downfield. I want to say that might have been Vaughn's again off the top of my head. But again, he, he was in good position. He was right on his back. Uh, it, it reminded me of Aqib Talib, which is a, a weird comp for sure, because that isn't really his type or style. But but you know that one arm on the back on the crossing route, right arm on the back, uh, running from right to left, right arm on the back, left arm out in front, and he just couldn't quite get the ball away, and it was a catch. And again, it was a catch against an NFL receiver. Uh, so. <laughs> that's going to happen to the 18-year-old. Um, I think that that pretty much wraps up KJ Trujillo. Uh, got some praise from the defense, particularly Mikhail Onu, who's one of the, the, the leaders, obviously, of this defense, who said, you know, he's going to be really good. He is really good. He's he He has the talent, and he knows he has the talent. And honestly, that's kind of part of it for a cornerback. Like, half of playing that position is just attitude, like knowing, no, you're not going to beat me. We're going to line up face-to-face. It's one of the very few one-on-one 
battles in football. Like, I, I don't know about that. It's it's one of the most obvious one-on-one battles. It's one of the flashiest one-on-one battles because there are one-on-ones everywhere. You know, left guard on defensive tackle is a one-on-one, but it's not one that's probably going to get singled out by the people watching the game. What's happening with the receivers and cornerback outside, people who've never seen football before can tell you who's winning that one-on-one. You know, it, it's so obvious, and it's it's... It may not be what decides games, but it definitely looks like it is. You know, you need the protection to make the pass, all that kind of stuff. But it definitely looks like that's what decides everything. And so you need that attitude to go toe-to-toe with Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Tyler Vaughns. Like they, those are some really good receivers who are going to be playing football for a long time. And KJ, KJ looked as good as any of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put my name on that. I'm definitely willing to put my name on that. And I'm excited to see what happens with KJ going forward. Again, probably going to be a bumpy road. It might be another game like this. Might be a game where uh, they're they're more like when he was in position but couldn't quite make the play on his on the ball. Didn't quite have the body control. Didn't quite have the technique down. Didn't totally look fluid. Looked like he kind of almost panicked at the last second, you know? he's He's young, but there's a lot of potential there. Who else do we want to single out on this defense? Um, let's let's just say the pass rush as a whole. Jalen Sammy back for the first time in three weeks. Yeah, I, th- or I guess three games. He left that Arizona game with an injury. Um, came back today. I thought played very well. Uh, want to say? Do you have a tackle for loss? Pulling up now. Yep, he had a tackle for loss. Oh, looks like that was his only tackle of the day. That surprises me. But I was impressed by him. Um, I thought that, uh, I mean, honestly, most of that defensive line played well. Um, who else, who got the sacks? Jamar Montgomery got a sack. Oh, KJ Trujillo, of course, forgot, got that sack. Uh, Hurry's credited to Trujillo, to Delrick Abrams, to Mark Perry, and to Terrence Lang. Lang got back there a bit. Changham got back there a bit. Obviously, neither of them come away with any actual stats. And, you know, they played well, but a lot of it, you got to give credit to Tyson Summers. They got creative with those fronts. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about the double A gap that I like. Uh, I think that that gives you a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, you you know your two lineback two middle linebackers on the very middle of your in uh defensive line, then your two tackles right outside them, and then your outside linebackers outside them, and then all of a sudden you got six guys lined up straight across, and you've got speed on their power guys in the middle. Uh, but then you can pull a, a slot corner in and give him a chance to blitz. That there are just so many options, and we saw variations of that with Colorado where. They would line up with, you know, their two defensive tackles actually kind of split wide a little bit. And then they'd have three guys kind of packed to the outside of them. And so you'd have, like, the outside guy would be way outside. And even the second guy, uh, or like the next guy in from your outside guy, would be lined up off the tackle. So they'd be wide. They'd give themselves leverage on the edge because 
USC is, you know, that's a form of air raid offense. It's not like your true Mike Leach air raid offense, but it is a, a descendant of that. And so seeing them, you know, use that set where they have a lot of guys on the line, but they're all spread out toward the edges of the line, and there isn't much in the middle. You know, changing those angles, sending different guys. I, I, I thought that that, I mean, it it obviously worked. Caden uh, Slovis, the freshman quarterback, was under pressure for a lot of the day, and, and it really did affect his play the way that you'd expect it to affect a freshman. Um and again, those props have to go to Tyson Summers. And I I haven't been quite as hard on him as I have on Jay Johnson just because he doesn't have as much to work with. And so, honestly, what we're asking him to do is say, actually, we aren't going with our scheme. We're going to change our scheme, what we're going to be doing next year, the year after, and the year after. Um, instead of doing that and building that now, we're going to do something that we think will be easier to learn, might fit the current personnel better. And again, if, if you want to say, do what's going to be best for the future, I'm down with that. If you want to say, you got to start winning football games now, figure out next year, next year, is it really going to make that big of a difference? Again, I could be down with that. Um, I will say that if you do commit to winning now then you have to win now if, if you say we're going man because that's simpler and that's going to give us the best advantage this Saturday then you know what you, you better win on Saturday and if, if 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 you choose to make it work down the road then it better work down the road and and so it's not that I'm just willing to let them do whatever they want it's that you you pick you pick what you're trying to do, and if you don't do it, then I'll call you out on it. And and that's kind of been my take on Summers more than Jay Johnson. Um, yeah, I, I think that that sums that up enough. And so that's why I haven't been as hard on him, but I will say that he did, I think, maybe call his best game of the season against USC. Um, although they did give up as many points as they did, there's just so much talent on that USC offense. You can't be looking at the points they give up to them versus the points they give to Air Force versus, I mean, Nebraska, Colorado State, even Oregon. Like it, it's it, they're all different games that require different things. And he was able to generate pressure in a way that we haven't seen. Uh, and then KJ Trujillo breaking out. I I think that that was a really good day for him. Um. Yeah, I I. I think that those were probably the takeaways. KJ Trujillo looks looks legit. The pass rush exists. Um, you know, Delrick had a had a solid night. I thought um, he he did get beat deep for a touchdown. Uh, that touchdown to Pittman, the second to last drive for USC. Okay, that was another yawn. That was another yawn. We're going to get close to wrapping this up now. Uh, 4.03 a.m., by the way. Love football. Um, that was that was over Delrick's head. Uh, didn't get his hands on him enough off the line of scrimmage. It didn't look like, again, I didn't see like a great replay, but I do, again, notice that when he did get beat, when the, when the receiver had a step or two on him, he kept looking back. He, he wasn't just focused on chasing down the receiver. He would turn around and peek back. And and that's what I hate. 
you know, that that means that you're saying, hey, has the quarterback thrown the ball yet? Because maybe it's underthrown and I'll have an angle to to do something with it versus giving yourself the best possible chance of chasing down Michael Pittman. You know, just putting your head down and sprinting instead of twisting your body back every five, seven, ten steps, whatever it is, to, to see if you're going to have a chance. Like, hoping somebody else is going to bail you out instead of just running as hard as you can. And again, if that if that pass was short, who knows? But the most important thing is just don't give up the touchdown. And if it's short, then Pittman's going to be coming back for it anyway. Um, so yeah, I think I think Mikhail Onu was uh, supposed to be helping over top. Again, got to go back and watch the actual film to see whether he was playing in the middle of the field and was asked to run all the way to the sideline, which might be a bit of a stretch. Or whether, uh, especially because it, I, I want to say that Delroy gave him the outside release, which wouldn't make sense. So so I would guess that Mikhail was supposed to be p- playing that half of the field. Um, be, yeah, because he wasn't being forced inside. Okay, um, so, so yeah, that's not what you want to see from a couple of veterans. Um, but it's football. It happens, and it's happened to both of them before. Um, everybody has given up a touchdown on this defense, and I think that that's important to remember before you single anybody out. And a lot of guys have made a great plays too. Pretty much everybody has. Um, special teams, James Stefano made his field goal. Didn't miss any of the extra points either. Uh, Katie Nixon had a nice return. I was impressed by that. Um uh, I think he. They said he stepped out of bounds, like ten yards behind where the actual return ended. Okay, I yawned again. That means it's it's got to be time to stop this. Um, I think for the first time though, we did see some burst out of KD back there. Um, we we knew he had it. We'd seen some shiftiness. There had been times where I was excited. Um. But but I do think that that was the first time. I guess I, I, in Nebraska he had a decent return, I believe. But liked seeing that. Also, Deion Smith back there. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing him actually get the ball. But I would like to see that as well. Um, There we go. I think that that's all I have. Uh, Alex Fontenot, when he hits the hole, he hits the hole so, so hard. You know, he's he's a great zone running back. Bounce a little bit one way, put your foot in the ground, get upfield. Um, and then make guys miss once you do it. Uh Steven Montez didn't look like the same guy after the head I yeah, he did say it was concussion testing. That's not speculation. Um I th- I think we did talk about that. It was just so long ago. Uh LaVisca Chenault looks good. KD, maybe not super heavy production, but two of his three catches for 30 yards were touchdowns, so really can't complain too much there. Offensive line? Eh, yeah. I, again, uh, if, if we're grading them on the, like, where are they in terms of power five offensive lines, maybe not up at the top, but if we're comparing to what they've been the last couple of years, what we expected them to be this year, that's a pretty good offensive line. That's You're, you're happy with what's happening up there. Gave up some pressure, but again, these athletes—they're—they they're, were playing on Friday. 
very, very difficult to stop. Um, that's my take there. Didn't see much from the tight ends. I think Jalen Harris got called for a hold. Um, they were out there a little bit, though. They were definitely out there. Um, defense, again, pass rush. KJ Trujillo uh, didn't, again, see much from the linebackers. Didn't feel like they were getting exposed in coverage, though, so that's something. Uh, step in the right direction. And then Rakestron Maddox behind him. Sure. I thought that they played well. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the turnover. Okay, we sh- there is one more thing we should talk about. Um, Mikhail Onu, uh, pretty late in the game. USC's driving, gets down. I think Slovis runs to about the two-yard line. Mikhail Onu does what he always does, puts his head down, gets his helmet on the ball, knocks it out. Nobody can get on the ball. Um, that happened again on a strip sack. That uh, happened... Uh, dropped interception. New Moto Fallo, Fallo uh, had a ball hit his hands that he could have brought in. There was a couple more missed interception opportunities. And and again, those probably cost you the game. In a game that was as close as this one, the, the 100 and something penalty yards, 109 penalty yards, you get rid of all those, you probably win the game. You pull one of these turnovers, you probably win the game. Um there are so many of those little things that you can find that that probably would have would have changed the outcome and and that's disappointing but you do have to remember that there were so many things that went right for Colorado as well they were able to move the ball they made good decisions the play play calling worked uh they get the interception they get the pass rush they get a couple drops USC has some penalties the 15 yards on Michael Pittman meh i Eh, again, I rarely see great replays of any of these things, but eh, I don't know. Um, they just need a couple more. They needed one more break, two more breaks, and and maybe they actually do bring down USC. Uh, the fact that they were so close, though, it it might take a day or two. It might not. I'm not actually sure. This is one of the times where I'm having a tougher time reading the vibe I was surprised by the anger on Twitter like I said I I thought that this would be more of like a rallying thing like oh boy we're we're on the verge of something here when that wasn't quite what I was seeing so let me know what you think leave it in the comments we'll uh get to those on Monday (sighs) college football starts back up in like five hours and I'm gonna have to wake up for that because I love it um, do I have my Red Bull? Gonna have to get coffee or something like an adult. Okay. Uh, appreciate all of you. Got to meet a couple more of you today. Love that. Um, see you Monday. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the way
afraid, uh-huh. cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with ya, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. I call a bottle swag in the middle of the ring. Hey!